Hey, 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 and welcome to the Heavenly Blue Podcast. My name is Di, and I am your host. Today is Wednesday, hump day, August 30th, 2023. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, we are still celebrating 50 years of hip hop. Hey, Livio, how are you? Welcome, welcome. Please hit that follow button. Hit the follow, hit the share, hit the like. This is the only time I like to be shared. <laughs> yes, uh, welcome, welcome. We have a special show tonight. Queens legends are in the house. Um, it takes a couple of minutes for my listeners to tune in. So as they come on, we will begin the show. Um, birthday shout outs. Do I have any birthdays today? Let me see. Um, nope, no birthday shout outs today. Um, no anniversaries. We're definitely in the Virgo season. Hey, DJ Divine. Welcome, welcome. Happy to see y'all guys. Yes. Hey, Brina. How are you? Hey, hey, hey. I missed you yesterday. How are you? Yes, we have a special show tonight. Um, can you hear me, DJ Divine? Yes, I can hear you. Okay. Um, I'm good. How you been? Everything good? Long time no see. I know the summer's ended, kids are going back. Uh, that means you have more time to um, come on the podcast again. <laughs> yeah, so we're still celebrating um, 50 years of hip hop. I've been doing a show, believe it or not, Brina, I've been doing a show every day this week. OMG, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I know, I know, it's nice. Yes, indeed, yes, indeed. For those of you who are listening to me for the first time, please hit that follow button, hit the like, hit the share. So what's going on, DJ Divine? Not much, man. Just trying. I mean, ma'am. That's a ma'am. <laughs> just, trying to, just trying to hold it down, trying to get things together. So much going on this year. With the oh, 50 man. Years, you know. So. so that's a good year, no? Yes, this is a good year. Well, um, being busy, being creative, doing productive things is always good. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the, and the time goes by even faster when you're busy, you know? So here we are, September 1st is Friday. Yeah. We are entering the month of September and we can tell that it's September because it's starting to get dark early now. Oh, yeah. You know, it's it's dark by, by 7.30. It's, it's like, you know, it's getting there, it's there. But, um, but it's all good. I guess, you know, in order for us to get and be blessed with another year we have to go through the moments <laughs> we have to go through the year in order for us to be blessed with the year but um so yeah so we're gonna um um livio can call in if he 
you can hit that call in button did he just sign in yeah i, I see him mm-hmm he's in hello can you can you hear me livio you have to hit um accept i i believe oh there you are testing testing one two three testing nope i lost test, you nope there you testing, are one two three can you hear me hey, hey what's going on yes i can hear you loud and clear how you been i'm good i'm good actually i'm great i'm great oh that's fantastic that's a, that's a positive good 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 thing to be great absolutely yeah, i'm great i'm great I'm, I'm blessed truly blessed and um no complaints i'm just rocking and rolling that, that that that's what i'm talking about that's how you always should be happy rocking and rolling and being in a positive state at all times that's me right now that's me there you go there you go um so we're gonna wait to um ug come on yeah, I just got off the phone with him. He said he had a bad signal in the house, so hopefully he'll go outside in the backyard or something. Okay. And get a better signal. Okay. Okay. I mean, you know, we could um we can we can, you know, start um talking a little bit and and giving him a chance to get himself together and um join us in a few. Um for those of you who are um with us and listening we have legends queens legends um today we have dj divine and we have livio i'm hoping i'm pronouncing the name right yes you're pronouncing it correctly okay um, thank you uh just add the g to it because everybody knows me as livio g okay livio g let Correct. me write that in my notes okay so we have livio g with us from sound experience Correct? Correct. Correct. Okay. And we have DJ Divine from Cypher of Sound. Cypher of Sound class and Penny Machine. Yes. There you go. Um, these are um, two guys that was doing hip hop since. I mean, we'll start with um, Livio G. You want to start with Livio G? Um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Let us know um who you are um uh, when did you start um the name of the group or the organization or the uh, you know what you go by your group goes by well um i guess to start off i, I have a rich history in terms of i guess uh hip-hop overall and just the music business as as you know uh as far as um started since 1975 okay and um initially i was part of the group sound experience which which is a group that my brother harry started okay basically i was about 13 years old okay but he already started the group but by the time i joined it you know like i said i was about 13. Mm -hmm. and um basically you know we as sound experience was part of the uh one of the, the, the main staples of the Queens hip hop scenes is when you when you look at Queens overall, right? Uh, in those those pioneering days, you know the mm -hmm. the, the, the beginning days, there were, there were several pivotal groups that 
in, in Queens that really uh, was, uh, I guess, the quint quintessential, you know, groups of that time and of that era, I mean, which carried, I guess, Queens hip hop. Um, had to happen to be Cypher Sounds, uh, Infinity Machine, Sound Experience. You had uh, Sup Supreme Sounds, uh, Phase Three. There's a couple more groups that you know uh, we really did all the all the parties and everything that that was going on in in, in that era. So we kind of were the pioneers uh, initially uh, that 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 started off carrying the genre in Queens. Okay. And um, like I said, you know, me being from Sound Experience, and I was uh, fairly young, you know, started playing music, started playing at the local clubs, the park jams. You know, I, I, I honed in on my craft. And uh, basically, um, that was the start. But what that got you, like, uh, what, what, what got you, you know, to, like, what did you see? Did you see... Um, someone that you wanted to mimic? Did you see someone and say, okay, I want to do that? Or did you just do it on your own and said, this is what I want to do? No, it's like I said, initially my, my brother's the one that, uh, you know, uh, I guess he bit the bug or whatever he, wherever, I don't know where he picked it up from or whatever, but he came okay. home one day, he had some equipment. Okay. And um, he got things going. He got too busy to play. He was working, you know, he had a job. I was still young or whatever. So, you know, that, that kind of spawned me in, but there were some influences at the time that, you know, I think uh, pretty much we, we, we kind of, uh, uh, like I just said, influences. Uh, okay. There was a group by the name of New Sounds. Uh, we went to see them play. See, also you got to th think in terms of culturally at that time, it okay. was about sound systems, you know? So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. when you had these dynamic sound systems that sounded great and it was uh, performing and, and, and they had nice mixes, great mm -hmm. music, great sounds, mm -hmm. uh, 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 an MC, those things, um, you know, those are the things that kind of, uh, you know, influenced you into like, okay, oh, I, you know, I, we want to take it to that level. You know what I mean? Okay. So uh, I think initially, like I said, he had some, you know, home equipment, you know, some uh, stuff he just bought while he was working at Macy's or whatever it was. It wasn't really professional at that at that starting phase, like back in 73, 74, mm -hmm. when he first got the stuff, you know? Right, but, right. Um, you know, uh, you had to go out there and you had to compete. Hey, so Kelly. Like, mm -hmm. You had to go out there and you had to compete. So after seeing, you know, like I said, you know, a couple of groups, uh, which was which, which, uh, like, yeah, you know, uh, um, I said new sounds, correct? Yeah. Uh -huh, and then uh -huh. uh, uh, Goody, who was part of Infinity Machine, who actually started Infinity Machine, which which Devon was became a part of after leaving Cypher Sounds. Um, you know, he had a big sound system, so those were the things that we we were you know aspiring and, and going for. So then we actually pulled up and got real serious and got real equipment and okay. started to do our thing. Oh, okay. Hey, Tony, are you on? I know I, I put you on. I don't know if you came all the way through. I saw you. You have to hit that accept bu button, I believe, once I invite you in. So you can you can hit it. You can hit it again, and I'll try to get you in. I know I just saw you. Okay. So that 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 in in, in, in this initial that was the beginning of, of things, you know. Okay. Uh, okay. And, you know, if you look at hip hop. 
you know, hip hop, I think today a lot of people just think hip hop is like something that, okay, this is, it is where it's at right now. You know what I mean? Right. No, that's right. not what happened. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, it, it, it started taking shape around 1977. We, you know, became really like one of those focal groups, like what I just, you know, explained to you about and mm -hmm. the culture itself was a, a cultural evolution. Exactly. And, and saying that is, you know, it, it continuously it kept evolving. You know what I'm saying? So one minute you'd be doing one thing and then next, 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 next thing is that we picked up and started doing something else or might have been influenced by something else that came into the game or whatever. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? I remember before there was no scratching, you know? Right. Or, right. you know, yeah, we, we were Just blending records and, you know, and playing mm -hmm. music or whatever, but exactly. uh, uh, before there was none of that. There was no jigger jigger, you know? So right. you had right. to be a part of it to remember those things, you know, mm -hmm. because it's not like it always existed. No, it didn't. It, it didn't always exist. You know what I mean? So little by little things came into, into the fold and, and, and it evolved. Yeah, and, um, it started to be like a competition on who can create the better sound and, and the different types of sounds and the different types of scratching and the different types of, um, you know, um, microphone skills and, and, yeah, and, 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 so. and going from one record to the other and doing it backwards and doing it, you know, exactly um, blindfolded exactly. and all that other good stuff. It, it was a great thing. I loved it. Yeah. You know, back so, in the days, I loved the competition. It was friendly. You know, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't crazy to me like it's crazy now. It's it's crazy in the sense that um, um, life wasn't lost back then. I don't remember it being lost like it is now. Not, not from not from the music. No, not yeah. from us going out and playing and having a good time. You know, all the kids would come out and, and have a great time. And that's what yeah. it was about. I mean, yeah. you know what? It was an event every time we came out into the park. Mm -hmm. You know, so much that ice creams, trucks, and, and Frank stands, and all of those, they used to make money. I mean, exactly. we were planning to, you know, that, to make everybody else have a good time, but everything would come come full, you know, in, into the spectrum and, and it would be packed. It would it, it would actually be an event. Mm -hmm. And and if you and if you think about it back in those days, right, we didn't have social media. No. Nope. So, you know, we didn't have none of those things and and the word of mouth traveled. Exactly. You know, people didn't even have cell phones. You know, you nope. couldn't text. No. Nope. But uh, within an hour or two, that that park would would have a couple thousand, you know, uh, kids in it. You, you know, got that right. Time. We did the legwork. I know that much. Yeah, yeah. We did so, do the legwork, and 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 it was always by you know, uh, it only only took one phone call. I mean, we had landline phones, so we used to get on that phone and say, hey, "There was a lot of that going on." There. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's been a lot yeah. of that going on. Yeah. Yeah. What were some of the memorable ones? Um, anything memorable that you can um, remember that it was like, wow, that was like that oh, really. Oh, I have so many memories. I have so many memories. You know, All right. we, sure. we did a whole lot. We did a whole lot. When you, you, when, I mean, uh, th that that chapter, should I say, you know, that first mm -hmm. chapter, because, you know, like I said, I, I, I evolved and I, I did so much more in the next 35 years, whatever it is now. Um, right, uh, forty years, but okay. that those first early beginnings was uh, there was a lot of monumental moments. I, I remember, I remember one particular party, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we did. Uh, and, and of course, like I said, there was so many. There was so many. Right. But one particular, and which I wish today I had a video of. You know. Yeah. I, I really wish I had a video of that, of that particular day. Hey Tony. Hey, what's mm -hmm. up? 
What's going on? Can you hear me? Yes, yes. Welcome, oh. welcome. Yeah, thank you. I'm not used to this technology uh, when it comes down to um, podcasts. It's okay. It's okay. We hear you loud and clear. So okay, welcome. Okay, great. Thank you. Uh, yes. So Livio was telling that Livio G was telling us a story. He was about to tell us a story. Yeah, yeah. I'm telling a story basically about one particular event. You know, like I said, there's countless that are you know that lives in infamy in my brain. Mm -hmm. <laughs> one, particular, uh, one particular event was uh, the night before. Uh, there was a place called the Olympia Palace. Okay. Uh, the Olympia Palace is on Hillside Avenue, and, uh, right off of Francis Lewis, like right there. Actually, there's a there's a couple of infamous parties that went there. I mean, if you know Queens hip hip hop and you know Queens mm -hmm. history, you know there was uh, uh, the the Callies and uh, Fat Cats, and they threw like a monumental party at that same spot. But this okay. party that I'm talking about is a, is a different night. So we we did a party there that night, and um, it was. Uh, Great turnout. We had, I don't know, a couple of hundred kids. Actually, Devon, Devon was there. He's playing the beatbox. Okay. Devon, I'm sure you wouldn't even remember that. You had to, you was on the beatbox that night. And um, so after we finished that party, right? Uh must have been we must have got home uh maybe about 630, 6.30 in the morning after going to White Castles and all the nonsense that we <laughs> yeah. yeah, I remember White Castle back then. <laughs> Yeah, so um, we we had to play for uh, uh, Baisley Day that same day. Okay. So um, never went to sleep, never unpacked the the, the truck, or nothing nothing like that. I, at the time, I had what what you call the Bertha, and we went and we set up on the pool in Baisley Park, and oh. we jammed all all day long. And wow, it was just like a sea of heads and you know how big basely park is so if you're on top of the pool and and, mm -hmm. and and you could see all the people going back just like a sea of heads and and we jammed all day standing wow. on, the park, on, on, on the pool and different people came in and, and, and joined in and whatever it was great a great day you know i only yeah. wish i had a video of it. that that's a yeah that's the only thing that's the only thing about, you know, back in the days. I mean, we could document a lot of things and a lot of things. Um, there's a lot of um, miscommunication on when hip hop really started, you know, because we uh -huh. basically really didn't have um, the, the the social media. We didn't have the recordings and we didn't have- Everybody you know, didn't have a phone. Exactly. Only a whole phone. We only have what? Uh, a home phone. Yes, a landline. landline. That's all we had. That's all we had back in the days. We had, you know, video. We would people. There were video cameras back then, but you know, we couldn't afford them, or we. It was hard for nah, us to nah, get our nah. hands on them. You know, because yeah. you, you know, back. You know, only celebrities had those types of equipment. But yeah. um, all we had was hearsay. Hearsay. Um, and word of mouth, you know, it's like, that's how we got to the parties. But, um, but Tony's here with us as well. Um, introduce yourself, let us know who you are. So that way you can, um, get acknowledged. Oh yeah. Tony Moore, but they know me as Cypher Sounds. Started out with DJ Divine back in 1973, no, nah, 74, 73. My mom's allowed me to do my first house party. And I got a taste of how to make money from doing parties. And then that was it. 
I think yeah. uh, I, I charged 50 cent for the guys. No, 50 cents for the girls and 75 cents for the guys to get into my, to the house party we had. Okay. And I was hooked when I found out at the end of the party, my mom said, you made $67.75. I was like, I'm rich. Because <laughs> I was 13 years old at the time. It was making, Absolutely. to me, that was a lot of money. Yeah. But for me, growing up, dealing with hip hop, in Queens, it wasn't really called hip hop. It was called B-Boy. We would go and do beats for the B-Boys. Uh, we okay. would go, me and Divine would go out and get these obscure records that had these nice breaks on them. And we were spending like 10, 20, $25 for one record. And, but we would get two and then we would turn around and hey, hey, hey. cover the label up. So people can't see what record we use. I remember that. Yeah, that I was very important because that. as a DJ to separate you from the other DJs, you gotta have records that's very obscure, different, but fat beats. Because yeah. that's the thing and majority of the music that was played were disco beats and they usually just a straight boom, 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 boom. And the B-Boys wanted something to dance to. So right. we started that and it, it elevated. Like Livio said, um, and in those days it was different. So like when I, to make a name for myself, I used to go out in the parks and DJ in Lincoln Park uh, and I, 1970, I'm talking about from 75, 76, 77. And mm -hmm. I noticed we started making a name for ourselves by being in the park. Not only that, um, the ice cream man, Mr. Softy, came to me and said, yo, man, if you come back out, let me know. I'll give you $50 to put me near your booth. Wow. And that, and that gave me an idea. I was like, you know what? Yo, Tony, you were getting paid? Yeah, I was getting paid in the park. Yeah, because you know what happened? It was I once I seen the Mr. Softy guy hit me fifty dollars. Then I went to the the guy who sell hot dogs. I said, "Yo, if you want to be over here by the booth, by the the ropes, because we had ropes to rope everything off." And mm -hmm. and I did that in Lincoln Park. I couldn't do that in other parks because it was a little different. But Lincoln Park, for some reason. The ice cream man can drive up in the park and we set it up. So he paid me 50 and I usually get like $150 to jam in the park from five in the afternoon to about three in the morning. Okay. And then you had the local drug dealers. Uh oh. They came to me and said, you're understanding. You can rock, man. I'll give you, you know, I'll give you $50. I'll give you a hundred dollars. I went for the hundred dollar guy. I went through the $50 guy because we rocked all night. And right. They were paying off the police. Wow. The police was at the end of the park and at the front of the park, and they let us rock to about three to four in the morning. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Those days, would ne that would never happen again. Listen, uh, listen. The, the one, um, not to stop you, Tony, the one time uh, uh, we stayed in, in uh, uh, 160 Park that late, all the equipment got broken up. The cops broke it up. Somebody wow. called the cops. Yeah, I remember this, that that happened to remember you. Guys. That? Yeah, remember yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. The one time, and, and it was it that was, was in one sixty, right? It was in one sixty park. Yeah. yeah, I remember. Yeah, we're, we're running, and, and cops are like Billy clubs and yeah. <laughs> breaking up turntables and breaking up speakers, and it was a crazy. Confiscating night. everything. Yeah, back in the days, it, it, if people complained, if no one really, it, it was more if you was basically in your neighborhood, you can play for as long as you want. But once you went outside your neighborhood and, and some people really didn't understand it, 
they definitely um well the thing that cost. happened that particular that, that thing the thing that happened uh that particular thing that happened that night was the fact that somebody called the cops but we were already extending ourselves way too long it was two yeah, o'clock in the morning yeah. we should have been gone you we should have been gone because you was the in, cops came they asked season. us to turn it off and the crowd started throwing rocks at them oh that's, that's right they they got that's right yeah, exactly what happened yeah, yeah that's why they got violent because because when, when we was in lincoln park uh i remember one time we set up in the pool that's when they had a pool in there and i put the speakers up high so everybody could hear it and we gave parties and then at by that time that was like 1977 everybody got used to every year in the in the summertime they know we were gonna come out in the park mm -hmm. so once we got that situated it became a competition thing because uh livio learned from me and divine then we taught phase three uh grandmaster vic he's my cousin i taught him how to dj but what made hip-hop even better we all was dealing with competition. We was trying to be better than each other, which allowed hip hop to grow and and get even better as far as uh, the culture. Now, okay. then you turn around, someone came out. I had a, I met Michael Murphy of the system and he had a drum machine. He introduced me to a drum machine in 1977. Okay. And I remember the Disco Twins and Grandmaster Flash had a drum machine. I said, I gotta get one. Okay. So that's how it went. It was like every time you turn around. Now I got pictures of my sound system in 1985, where we had synthesizers, drum machines, everything, and we would do that along with the DJ. And I think okay. Olivio did the same thing, right? Because you bought the drum machine, you bought uh, the 909, right? Oh yeah, no, no, Tony. Let me tell you something. Uh, you you were the direct influence of 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 me making that transition and i mean i had already had mcs or whatever but uh i remember uh coming out one day i, I don't remember which park it was it, it might have been lincoln wherever you were at and, and you pulled out some uh uh computerized shit and i was like oh get that oh, i'm sorry if i cursed but <laughs> <laughs> but i was like oh okay okay moment. okay so yeah no def definitely like influenced me into like okay you know what you know what you had you had the sampler that one second sampler yeah, the sampler there was not it was a three second sampler three seconds it was, whatever it was it was a delay was. machine with three seconds i said no it was actually four my bad i remember it was made by korg korg yeah the korg, the, the korg the, the korg korg, korg sampler exactly. and i had bought when i bought the first one we was in ajax park when i brought it out and i had corley and those guys i said Yo, he said, yo, man, put my name on there. I said, yo, I'm going to charge you. I give you $50 as bet. So you were making call, money, call, man. Call, 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 call you were making money. You, know? <laughs> you got me right now. You were making money. Yo, I, I, yo, I wasn't fun. telling nobody I was doing that because I didn't want nobody else to try to get the money I'm making. <laughs> <laughs> I was yeah, just having fun, bro. We was, we was out there, but I noticed in hip-hop at that time, if you had to be uh, ahead of the game, you have to do something different to get people attention because exactly. everybody was DJing, everybody was cutting, everybody's doing it with their elbows, they, they neck and all this, whatever it took to make right. people say, wow. So what for us, it was, uh, I remember I had a delay machine where it does a uh, echo. And then when Michael Murphy of the system had a drum machine and let me hold it. And I used to put it in my mix. And mm -hmm. that made us different. And then we got some MCs. And then we said, you know what? Let's give people a show. Okay. Now that happened over the, the over time. 
period yeah, of at least five evolved. or six years. It evolved, yeah. it evolved because as we got better, we got as we got better, the MCs got better because yes. as the DJ, my job was to give them beats to rap on. Right. Mm -hmm. So the beats in those days before uh, drum machines, it was we just sample a record. Oh, no, well, no, no, we cut, out, we cut we breaks. Cut, That's what we cut the breaks. That, yeah. Yeah, we mm -hmm. would cut the breaks back and forth. And matter of fact, me and Divine got uh, a job from uh, Mike at the record shop to make acid plate records. That's when you take uh, uh, songs from old records that you can't get. Mm -hmm. And Mike wanted to sell those records, but he only had a limited amount. So what we did, we took it, taking the beat, we, we used the pause button on our tape recorder to make sure the beat lands on time and mm -hmm. we extended it. Mm -hmm. Then we would go uptown, we would go to Manhattan and get these acid plate records. Yeah, hold, and they hold, only hold last. Up, hold up, Tony, hold up. I, I got one for you. I got one for you. Uh, uh, where did you go? Do you remember? Uh, Sunshine. Sunshine, that's right. Okay. And then you had associates. Associates and Sunshine, exactly. And there was a third one. I just can't think I'm of the test, third I'm one. I'm testing your memory right now. <laughs> now I'm really good with that. That's one because one thing I did realize as we were going through this, I had a feeling we was making history. Because remember, uh, remember you was on the radio with P Fine. Uh huh. Right. Yeah, P -Fine we had we had a show. Yeah, we, we used to argue all the time. He used to say hip hop would never make it on radio. I said that's bullshit. It will yeah. make it on radio because you have a a young audience that's growing up with the, the same people that's making the music and that's their music. So they, it's going to eventually hit. And all of a sudden, here's Mr. Magic. They gave him Saturday nights for like two to three hours. And they got mm -hmm. so much of a, a, a following from that. Then they started mm -hmm. giving them more hours. Then it turned into Friday, Saturday, the whole weekend. And then it got to the point they had to play it outright. Exactly. Yeah, and then when MTV, what is it? What was it? Yo MTV Raps or whatever? No, I was with, I remember I was on the train, on the F train, going to work, and I seen that lever. I said, yo, man, where you going? He said, yeah, I'm going for the uh, interview to get the job working at uh, this thing they're going to call Yo MTV Raps. Mm -hmm. I said, I wish you a lot of luck because MTV don't play nothing black. He said, well, that's why they want, that's why they're trying to do something new. And mm -hmm. I said, all right, wish you luck. Boom. And then all of a sudden, about, say, about three or four months later, Yo! MTV Raps, I said, oh, God, that yeah. lover did it. He did it. I couldn't believe it. So no, no, I, 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 remember, I remember that whole, that whole period because um, when Ted Demi was putting the show together, me, me and uh, P at the time, you know, when we had our, uh, our label and everything, it was, it was in discussion. And uh, we was part of the, uh, the, the, the people who put the new music seminar together um you know the world supremacy for battle and all that stuff and it was in discussion at that time you know so yeah can, can hip-hop hit radio and oh no commercial radio commercial, commercial radio. radio yeah commercial radio you right yeah we had we had we had radio shows but it was always you know saturday or saturday night and we had our show on tuesday nights which is from the colleges you, was you coming couldn't from get hip-hop on a prime time uh uh on 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 on, on radio at that time so our show, listen, we had, uh, because of the time, st st time stop that we had on our show, we wound up breaking a whole, a whole bunch of records. You know what I mean? Uh, mm -hmm. I'm talking about, we were breaking um, Stetsasonic, uh, 
uh, Audio 2, Public Enemy, uh, LL Cool J, Heavy D and the Boys, mm. Dougie Fresh, Two Live Crew, you know, yep. KRS One. When when Scott LaRock died, we we on that night it was a Tuesday night when his Scott died. Hey hey and, hey. And mm -hmm. I, and our show basically was like the, the caveat, you know, for for listeners who were trying to get some kind of comfort and, and trying to find out what what happened. So KRS came on that night, you know what I'm saying, mm -hmm. explaining such and such. And it, it, there's a lot of monumental monumental things that happened. Well, but yeah, the name we had, of the radio we had everybody: like. Jazzy Jeff and Fresh Prince. We had X Clan, Mantronics. De La Soul. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, tell them the name of the radio station. What'd you say, Devon? The name tell of the, the radio station. The radio station. Oh, oh, it, it was uh, 89.1 uh, WNYU. Rap This. Rap This was the name yeah, of the show. Yeah, Rap This. Rap This. Yep. Yeah. Monumental. Right. Monumental. And then, well, then Olivio, he didn't tell you, it didn't, it, it was a time when, when the 80s came in, Everybody who was, well, not everybody, I would say most of us was deciding which avenue we should go because they're starting to put it on records. Everybody's making a record. DJ Divine came out with a record. I said, I got to get down. I got to get me a record. <laughs> and, and, and then I went out and I said, you know what? I want to be a producer. So uh, my mom gave me $5,000 to buy me a board. And but first we was doing it on our own and she seen how passionate I was about it. And then it was Olivio, all the guys come in and I had the guys come in and we were just making beats every day. My mom said, let me tell you something. My light bill is $400. You better tell oh, them young niggas down there to give you some money. <laughs> <laughs> and then I came to Olivio, I said, yo man, I gotta charge people, man. It's 25 an hour. They said, yeah, that's no, no problem, man. No, we'll help you out. And but in that basement, my mom's basement, we had uh Stessa Sonic, I was producing working with, uh uh Positive K. Mary J. Blige came later, but it was Positive K, uh Stessa Sonic, uh uh DMC came in a couple of times when I was working, and uh but Father MC I produced, uh we produced uh Jeff Red, uh okay. Mary J. Blige. Uh, a number of people helped us scout the original gun clappers, all of right in this basement. And once we got a deal, all of a sudden you wouldn't see an artist anymore because he got a deal. Right. Uh, Livio started his label and he started, didn't you have the food snickens? Yeah. 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 yeah yo, he, I should have did the same thing he did. Instead, I wanted to be a producer and then Russell offered me a record label deal when I produced two songs for Slick Rick. And, okay. and I said, you know what? I got a group called Arts and Craft. We just did the movie House Party. And I was like, I can't do it. I, but I should have went for it because at that time, the DJs know more about music, hip hop music than anybody else. Okay. The big labels didn't know. I remember I was at Tommy Boy Records and I had, took, had taken the genius from Wu-Tang there because uh, I had produced the Wu before there was Wu Tang, there was just three individuals: Old Dirty Bastard, the Genius, and the RZA. All Tom three. Tom. Not, not to stop you. The very first time I went to Tommy Boy Records, it was me and you. Yeah, we went there. And we went all the way, yeah, we went all the way to Tommy Boy Records. That was the very first time we went remember there. I said I had the 808, and he was like, "Oh, you got the 808?" I said, "Yeah." And then he said, "Well, anything y'all do here, we need to get all the publishing." I said, "You're not getting my publishing." 
You have to pay me. Is the only reason why I knew that at the time my mother's boyfriend was a musician and he said, whatever you do, don't let them get your publishing without them paying you. Mm. And Tommy Boy was real crooked for that. They would take people publishing and the people didn't even know what it was. Uh, Mary yeah, J. Blige, this much, is the perfect much. example. Mary J. Blige, uh, we was under the same management company and she was still sitting there while we was trying to get uh, some music for her. So she needed money. She gave up, she got $45,000 for 50% of her publishing. Wow. Guess how much that is worth now? Huh. Guess how much, that's worth millions, I mean millions yeah. of dollars. Yeah. Because at that time she didn't know I didn't know. None of us knew. Uh, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of guys. Yeah, a lot of guys got really caught up in that and and lost a lot of money. I mean, it's you know between the TLCs, everybody, everybody had a a a, a issue with um, getting paid back in the days. Yeah, well, usually what what happens is like with TLC, it was a third party that came in and and uh, which was uh, I think her name was uh, Pebbles. Yeah. And she managed them and she they signed a contract for 50 she gets 50% of everything they get. And normal a normal contract is anywhere from 15 to 20%. Well, wow. you, you you got you got no you also got to look at the fact that she had a conflict of interest cuz she managed them and produced them. Uh, yep. I mean, no, not managed. She managed them and had them signed to her label. That's a conflict of interest. And she was married to what's and, and then on top of Baby that, she Davis. was married to uh, uh, L.A. Reid. L.A. Reid, yeah. So, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. So, yeah, that, that's definitely a conflict of interest. Yeah, yeah. Uh, being that as we was growing up and we got a chance to see what other brothers went through before we got our deal, I had a real good uh, idea of what we had to do when we go to the labels. So my group was called Arts and Craft. Our first record was under the name Cypher Sounds. I had two rappers. It didn't work out. And then I said, later for that, let's get into, uh, when I got into the business real quick was, we did a house record. The record went, a dance record. It went number 13 on the dance charts on Profile. Then we left Profile because I wanted to do hip hop R&B. And then when we presented to Brian Chen, who was that profile? Chen, that was the time. Name, yeah. You remember Brian Chen, right? Of course. He he took he took a song. He says, "It's no change in it. This not this not R and B. I said it ain't R and B. This is hip hop R and B." And he didn't understand it. He said, "Well, I said, well, we went off the label. And they signed us off the label, and I went straight to Andre Harrell at Uptown Records. Not not straight to Andre Harrell. I called up Alonzo Brown." who was his partner at that time from Jekyll and Hyde. And he, yeah. he told me, see this guy named Kirk Whitley at Uptown Records. And I went there with my cassette and I had like at least 50 songs on my cassette, but I only played them two. And he wanted the two songs for Mary, not for Jeff Red first. And then he says, can I hold the tape so I can listen to the rest of your stuff? I said, yeah. I went back to work. By the time I got to work, I got a call saying they want me to come back at Uptown. So I went back after I got off from work and next thing they said, yo, you got a lot of songs. We got this guy named Father MC we want you to produce. We want you to produce this girl named Mary and and Jeff Red. So started on Jeff Red first, got it knocked out. I said within two weeks, we got signed to Motown for 575,000. Okay. Then turn around and said, yo, we got a project for you guys. What's that? This movie called House Party. Oh, really? Well, 
you got to be at this place tomorrow across the street for the private screening so you can see you need to have your paperwork to write down what the temple is for each scene so when we got there here come full force here come teddy rally jimmy jam and terry lewis i was so intimidated i was like oh my god i was like we ain't gonna get nothing in this movie <laughs> and but i seen people the ironic thing about it when I was working at the bank, the two guys who was in my group was working with me at the bank. It's one gentleman that was with the group Full Force named Kirk. He the one who was my mentor and told me what to buy and what to do to get in the record business. And when I was at Motown and he came in the room, they shocked, they was like, yo, Sham, Mitchell, Tony, what y'all doing here? Oh, well, we got a deal. And he was like, oh, man, we were full circle. This guy taught me, and now I'm in the same room with him wow. uh, producing the song for the movie. So make a long story short, we wrote seven songs. They wanted four for the movie. My manager at the time, Kirk Willie, said, y'all guys are hot. Nice. We're going to ask for 100000 a song. I said, yo, man, I don't care if you give me anything. I want to be in this movie. He said, nah, nah, y'all got to get money. So we wind up getting two in the movie. They wanted four songs but we wind up getting two because they couldn't afford to give a hundred thousand per song so we right. did two songs for a hundred thousand dollars and that's when i knew i'm i made it because they <laughs> like our music yeah that that i, I was now, now, what happened with the remake of of house party did you get oh, did you get involved in that i didn't have to guess what happened every time they made a movie I got royalty payments came oh, in. Oh, look at you. All right. I was shocked. I said, man, I need to do more movies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When they did House Party 2, it wasn't with the Hutland brothers. Right. The Hutland brothers did just the hot. Matter of fact, the Hutland brothers did that uh, movie with Andre Harrell, and I did a song with Mary, her very oh, you first record. Strictly Business. Strictly yeah, Business. Strictly the song business. I, I did, oh. Jeff Red. You called and told me that yeah, record that, that, that was in that, the movie, and Mary's wow. record was in the movie. Okay, that's and your I, song. Yeah, that's 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 a jumping song. Every time you play it, everybody's on that dance floor to this day. Yeah, well, we did two songs with Jeff and Mary record. I I was working with Jam Hall, Dave Jam Hall. He did the music, and I gave them the beats. So I used "Impeach the President" this beat. No, that's not what you. That's not what you use. No, Peach. What's it was? What was it? Uh, uh, damn, that's not what you use. Because I'm gonna tell you the, the, the crazy story about that, right? I'm 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 just driving around one day and I hear the song come on, uh, Mary's song come on. I'm like, yo, that's that's understanding on the drums. <laughs> you know, Uncle President. I, no, no, no. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Do, do. Funky Penguin. Yeah, Funky Penguin. That's what it was. Funky, Funky, Penguin. Penguin. Funky Penguin. Funky Penguin. Funky Penguin. You like. Yo, yo, Tony, the, the, the day I'm, like I said, I'm in the car. Yo, I knew your programming. I'm like, oh, that's that's understandable. Yo, yo remember I, I you, you called me. the song at the time, but. Remember I'm when like, you called me. That's your drums. Yo, you remember when you called me when they, um. Uh, Bib Bib DeVoe came out with Poison and you thought uh -huh. it was me? <laughs> you said, you, oh, you did Poison? I said, nah, I I'm, yeah, I'm like, yo, because I, I, I knew your program. I, I knew yeah. how you programmed. I said, I didn't do that beat. I wish I did that beat. You had, you had a certain swing that you uh, you sequenced uh, uh, and and right off the back that told me that was you. You know? Right off the uh, back. Another record, remember um, uh, Levert? 
And then we did three card Molly that had the same type of beat, the same uh -huh. type of sound. Yeah. Yeah. And you, yeah, that's another record. But, but I think I lost y'all. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, we, someone, someone got lost. Okay. Tony Probably got lost. Yeah. I'm, I'm back. Hello. Okay. There my you go. phone, I got a call that came in. That's what happened. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, um, oh, yeah. no, no, no. no. That was funky, funky penguin. Yeah, I, it was funky I, heard penguin, it, right? I heard the Mary song. Uh, it was a great song too, and it, it was part of the soundtrack uh, of that uh, strictly business. And let me tell you the story about that. That was ironic when that movie came out. Uh, everybody was playing Jeff Red's record, and matter of fact, Jeff Red was on tour. And I went down south to Virginia, and I was hearing Re Mary record playing crazy. I said, yo, I called Kurt Whitley up at Uptown and I said, yo, tell uh, Dre, they got to put out Mary. That record is playing crazy down here. And they mm -hmm. didn't know that record, Mary record played for about six months down you south before me. they released you it. You remind me. Yep. It played That's six cool. months before they released it. And then when they released it, it, it blew up so big. The management company I was with original, and Mary was with couldn't handle it. That, that and that's a, that's a movie a lot of people forget about strictly business and that was a good mm -hmm. movie it had a good soundtrack to it matter of fact well. that's how holly berry got popular from that movie you're right well you're right. That holly berry was in that movie that fact, she, no jeff, was, Red, I mean, jeff Red did a video yeah. with, with holly berry yeah. from that video yeah from that movie yeah i mean that was her second one i think the first one was when she played the um the crackhead and um with the yeah, yeah, the, and for Spike Lee, for Spike, Spike Lee's Lee movie, yeah, yeah. that was her um debut. Yeah, was that her debut or was Strictly Business her debut? Strictly Business was a second movie. I thought, I thought, I thought, I thought, oh, the, I thought the, the you might be right, but no, 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 it was no under her. No, Strictly Business is first, huh? Strictly Business is first, yeah. I think, I think, uh, uh. Jungle Fever is probably more instrumental I, I, I in terms Jungle of capitalizing her, her career. I thought, I, I th yeah, I thought that was her debut on um, on um, Jungle Fever. No, no, Jungle Fever is not her debut. I think that's what catapulted her into, uh, you know, uh, uh, I guess more uh, of a recognizable. Uh, because she played a crackhead. She played yeah, a nice girl. She did a great job. That's why that made her blow. Good. That's what made her blow up. And, yeah, the acting was. was and if she had to do it in order to get Academy Award, she did uh, Monster Ball. <laughs> that was yeah, good. that was that. She she got she yeah she got gypped. They they owed her that. That's what that was about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just like with um Denzel Washington, he should have gotten awards before he got training days, but that's something that they felt that they owed him. In other words, Malcolm X. Yeah, yeah he should have gotten for Malcolm X. Absolutely, one hundred percent. Exactly. He didn't get it. So and he got it for training days being a bad guy. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But, um, but what's what's some of the things that y'all guys um regret? You know, like some things y'all say to yourself, man, I wish I would have done it this way instead of that I, way. I could tell you a ton of those things. <laughs> really? I wish I never uh Signed that management company that was our managers. They they ruined our career. I wish I would have. What uh, do you mean by that? Muscles. Well, 
when you have a management company and they don't take advantage of when you are hot, what happened when we signed the Motown, we had a momentum. And then mm -hmm. Kirk Whitley, who was my manager, didn't like Timmy Regisford. And Timmy was trying to push us and get us out there big. And he took us off the label and put us on Columbia and we set for three years. Mm. So by, by that, we, we lost the momentum and everything. And uh, with Russell, I didn't go with the label deal at that time because I had a group. And I could have still, I, I could have still did the label deal and, and work a label out because I had an ear for talent, just like uh, Livio have an ear for talent and DJ Divine because we all DJs. We can mm -hmm. tell what's hot and not, what's hot or not. Uh, right. So that particular two things and uh, just basically those two things, I think, because uh, it would have made a difference in my life. Yeah. By yeah. Uh, being owning my own label instead of working for a label, owning my own label, which that's what Olivio did. Yeah, well, okay. it's, it's funny you say that. It's funny you say you say that, Tony, because and for me, that that was the blessing. I, I initially, you know, I remember when I was like, Yo, and this is funny, Devon, it's going out to you. Right. Uh -huh. When 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 you first made get into the mix. Right. This is what? 80, 80. What is that? 82, 83, 83. 83 all right i'm at the point where I'm, I'm leaving college right and and not that i'm leaving college i, I got kicked kicked out of the semester <laughs> whatever okay so and my passion was music at the time you know what i'm saying because we had already been, mm -hmm. uh, no no my, I'm, just, my, I'm just acknowledging people that yeah has yeah my, my my passion is 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 music and because we had already been doing it you know because if you if you take from from the time i'm 13 i'm in a freshman in high school to about 83 it's that's 10 years later right so i'm trying to figure out exactly you know where is my career or whatever it's going to go but you had a record right and to me it was like yo devon's got a record yep i felt <laughs> the know, same Devon's way devon's got a record so for me it was just like okay damn i need to make a record i need a record deal yep I did not need a record deal. That's not what I needed. And 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 and, and in God's hands, He He led me to where I need to be. That's you know true. I needed to own me. I needed to own the label. You know what I mean? And it all felt fell in place for me. So from that point on, when when things came together in '86 or whatever, you know, and in '87 when I started the first label, I learned the business. You know, I learned the business. I I, I learned. Okay, you know what? Don't be an artist be the label mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so for me you know from that point on it was just like you know what i'm owning the records you know mm -hmm. i don't you know what i don't i don't have to be michael jackson i don't have to be quincy none of that stuff you know what i mean right. but if, if you understand the business and you could do records you were such and such and which is what i did i created labels i created a distribution company i went on to do all that stuff you know what i'm saying so that was the power in what i did um, I mean, I, you know, I had a, a lot of artists I've worked with, uh, a, a lot of music. Uh, the name of few, uh, we, we talked about the food, which was part on, on, on Jive, but there's a bunch of other stuff that I released. You know what I'm saying? I released records on uh, A Living Color, Mr. X, Mr. Z, Big School, Master A, Soul For Real, 45 King, Poor Righteous Teachers. And then I did Dance Hall, I did Screechy, Ghost, Roundheads, a whole bunch of artists. You know Olivia, I mean? so, Paul, Paul Righteous Teachers was on your label? 
No, I, by the time by the time profile dropped them or whatever, they were out for for grabs. So, yeah, because those guys was hot. Yeah. So yeah, no, of course they they were they were out for grabs. You know, so I, I, I did I did stuff with all that stuff. You know what I mean? And 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 that was the power, like I said, uh, uh, learning the business. You know, and and and, and not you learned being... it early. You learned it. You know. Yes. Back yes. then, people didn't do that, and it was a good thing. You you know you did it. Exactly. So yeah, yeah. This guy learned the business, and 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 it was it was just phenomenal on how I watch him, Diane, and Tony Moore, UG. How I watch these guys survive and maintain a lifestyle. When I was working in the post office, when we was working in the post office for all these years, and these guys, they was getting paid from their creativity. Mm-hmm. From, from their thought, from their passion. And I think that um, if I would, if I had any regrets, I would have a regret of not moving on my passion also, because like Livio said, when I made the record, it was, it wasn't, it wasn't a big deal to me, but I guess it inspired a lot of people. Yeah, it definitely did, Devon. Not yeah. to stop you, not to stop you. It because, did it for me too, because I said Devon did it, I can do it. Yeah. Cause Spider, Spider, you know, Spider said, Devon, I need you to come in and do some cutting on this song. And the song was actually a song from Jap- uh, a, a Japanese artist, Sesamato. So when we first got the the, the song, it, it it just didn't sound like nothing until this to this white guy named Alan P played some drums on the bottom of this with a lindrum and i was able to scratch and then they wanted me to say a couple of words because at that time the whiz kid had his song out called play that beat so um i just did something real simple it wasn't nothing it wasn't nothing extra and lo and behold mel and um from um Western Records knew Chuck Leonard from Kiss FM. They put the song mm. on hot rotation. And the crazy thing about it, I'm I'ma share this that when the record started to blow up, I got nervous. I was like, wow. <laughs> so I was like, holy maybe not nerve. maybe maybe you got cold feet. That's why you didn't you didn't um, you know. A lot of artists uh, go through that. A lot of artists go through that. Nah. It's called uh, afraid to make, afraid to be successful, and that is a scary thing. It's very right. scary. Because, because Diane, before I came in the post office in in '84, I was working at a record store selling my records and autographing my records as I sold them. Oh wow! And yep. and that and that right there didn't give you the inspiration, like to to say, hey, this is good. I could do this. Not no, because I I love DJing, so th- that just making a record wasn't something that I said. Come on, Spider, let me do another record. Or I yeah. never had somebody come to me like Olivio, boom, 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 and a UG, boom, 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 and say, "Divine, come on, let's go." You know, because you I guess you didn't have somebody to push you. I didn't have anybody to push me because I was good yeah. where I was. I was, he didn't. You know, he didn't want to do it. He was in the basement with me, right here in the studio, because <laughs> I got pictures. He just he he like he said. He wasn't motivated. 
He wasn't his passion. It wasn't yeah. my passion. That was that was the thing because I noticed when we opened up the studio down here, Livio was in here like every day. Matter of fact, I remember when I got my job on Wall Street. I ran into Livio. He was on Wall Street. Remember, Liv? Yeah, yeah. I, I was on Wall Street. I, I was shopping deals because <laughs> yeah, I was when I started on Wall Street in the early '80s. Uh, I remember. Sweetie G was down there trying to get a job. I got a job as a messenger, but Faith got me in this bank, Manufacturers Hanover Trust, and it just so happened the three guys in my group, I mean, the two guys in my group, they worked there. The guy from Full, matter of fact, this is another story. Uh, the guy from Full Force, when I got my drum machine, he wanted to borrow it. He said, we got this new group called Lisa, Lisa, and the Code Jam. I'm gonna give you the demo to play. And I was rocking that demo for about six months. And and then when it hit the radio, everybody go, you're understanding. Your record's on the radio. I said, nigga, that ain't my record. That's the full false record. <laughs> but if I, if I can get the album, it has special thanks. In those days, you put special thanks on the back of the album. Yeah. And it has special thanks to Cypher Sounds. Because, uh, oh, wow. and then when they, then they brought me UTFO and I was rocking it and they gave me special thanks on that album too. But they borrowed my drum machines. They will borrow my drum machines to do their songs. Yep. Wow. I never you didn't, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't charge them for borrowing your, your, um, no, I was so happy to be around producers, <laughs> people that made music. Cause yeah. that would go out. There you go. Yeah. There you go. And, being that I was a DJ, I actually focused more on producing than DJing. And okay. and over time, Olivia told tell you, I had different drum machines had different time codes. So mm -hmm. I would and he would come in and say, Understanding, how you get the 808 to play with the DX and the 909? And and I say, You gotta use a 90 dock. You gotta get this and you gotta yeah, get this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Okay, so I have a question from one of the listeners. Fair Use is saying, coming from Queens and being in the early beginnings of hip hop, can you talk about the back and forth with the South Bronx? Oh, hold up, 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 that's a very good question. That's a very good question. I'm going to take that question. Okay. I'm going to take that question. Let me tell you something. You know what? Uh, respect to the Bronx, all right? I'm not going to take no respect for them. But I never liked how they came at Queens, all right? That whole that whole KRS fiasco, that whole thing, you know what I mean? It never sat well with me, you know, because that was straight up disrespect. You know, Shan made his record, and, and you know, out of respect, you know, uh, it's, it's friendly competition, whatever it is. Uh, Shan came right at, 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 at I mean, uh, KRS came right at Shan, you know what I mean? But you know the thing, you talking about hip hop in the eighties. I want to go back to the seventies when we when I went when we Cypher Sounds when we went to Bronx because we used to do parties for uh, Mike and Dave, and everybody was telling us, "Yo, they're gonna steal your equipment." I said, "That's not happening." DJ Divine left me with Big Jamel and Jazzy D, and when they found out we was going to Bronx, we would be strapped. What year, what year was this? 1976, 77, 78, 79. We, we were. That wasn't too bad. All right, go that, ahead. Listen, listen. When we went, when we went to, to Audubon Ballroom, the whole nine yards, we, we never feared going there. No, no, Audubon Ballroom is in Harlem.
But I remember one time I went Everybody to the always Bronx. the Bronx. We you didn't fear it. It was not a fear for us. It wasn't a fear, but we were strapped. We were making sure because I would hear a story, guys, and cut your wires and take your speakers. So what we did, I got my boys, every time Cypher Sound went, we was more, uh, I ain't going to lie, we was a little ghetto, right? So my boys, my brother Onion and them, they said, yo, man, we're going to Bronx, we got to get strapped. Because the one, two of the rappers that I had was from Bronx, and they told us what to look out for and what to do. So... <laughs> But when we came from Queens, they said, oh, these niggas in Queens is not soft. They all right. So next thing you know, we started doing a lot of parties. I was doing parties with the Breakout Crew, uh, uh, Crash Crew, Funky 4 Plus 1. And then we would go back and forth and bring it, them to it, Queens. There was never an issue back in those era. There was never an issue back in those eras because they, they all came out. The vinyl attests to that. You know what I'm saying? How many shows did Infinity Machine do with 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 uh, Funky Four Plus One and 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 some of those groups that came out there, flashing them? You know what I mean? Okay. I remember I remember this, uh, uh, one morning, five six o'clock in the morning, the sun comes up and we drop and flash and Melly Mel off, and it's literally we dropping them off in 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 the South Bronx, and the whole damn thing is burnt down. Yeah, you ain't lying. I mean, every other block, it was a burnt out building. Yeah. yeah. Back in the days, back in the, back in the seventies. Absolutely. But it was all, it was all more talk than anything because, you know, I, I was born and raised in the Bronx, but we were, we all, we were all saying to each other, oh, we're not, because the Bronx never went to Brooklyn and Brooklyn never came into the Bronx. That was always the, the thing until we went and it was like oh this is nothing this is all right you know what, what, what why everybody had you know why it was all exactly. hyped up that we couldn't go to these different boroughs and everybody is cool you know so it was a good it was a good time i would say another thing for us we were cypher sounds so everybody never messed with the five percenters that's another thing we was all five percenters and they didn't want to mess with the five percenters even the gangs, because when we just go to Bronx in those days, they still had the Nomads, the Savage Skulls, uh, yeah. Ace of Spades, all that was up in Bronx. But when they found out you were as righteous, if you was a 5%er, they didn't want to mess with you because we rolled in packs. So when we started DJing up there, and I said, yo, they ain't that bad. They respect us because Queens and Brooklyn had the sound systems. I, I don't want to stop you. I don't want to stop you, respectfully. Where we come from? Mm -hmm. South Side. South Side. South Jamaica always had respect. That's right. South Jamaica always had respect. I, I'm not. I, I'm not going to speak for any other part of Queens. South Jamaica had respect. You know what I mean? When you came from South Jamaica, all you had to do was say South Side. That's right. That's all you had to say. So you had to say. It was. Uh, you got to see it. In those days, when people have a fight, it was just a fight. They would fight, and you beat them up, okay, he respect you after that, and you would be friends. Uh, nowadays, forget about it. They, everybody want to come with Uzis, machine guns. Nah, nah, that's, not what, that's, yeah, that's not that's yeah, that's a, that's a whole other chapter. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about back in the days, you know what I'm saying? And the respect, and that respect that certain parts of certain boroughs got when it came to what we did. Yep. And that's why we didn't have an issue. That's mm -hmm. why we didn't have an issue. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, we didn't have I an mean, issue. I, I, I have to. I have to admit, 
I, you know, I, you know, DJ Devine, I go back and forth with him all the time with this, but I have to admit growing up in the Bronx, um, and when hip hop began, you know, I remember as being a little girl, um, I didn't, I didn't know Queens back then. And I didn't know that y'all guys were doing what y'all doing. So having y'all guys on and actually giving me all this information, it's like, I'm like, wow, you know, you know, I really didn't know. When I got to know y'all guys was in the late seventies. That's when I realized when, you know, Queens existed and that Queens is, is down with hip hop. But other than that, you know, I, we just didn't know. We no, didn't no. know. No, we, we, we were doing our thing. We were doing our thing, you know what I'm saying? And like I said, all, all respect to the Bronx, you know what I'm saying? Because uh, without without some of the uh, uh, some of the uh, technology and, and, and the uh, things that they brought to the, the, the art form itself, you know what I'm saying? It probably wouldn't have evolved as fast or whatever, you know what I mean? So they contributed what they contributed. We contributed what we contributed. Mm -hmm. you know? And fact, that's an important fact. I remember in 1975, I had this guy named Spanky. He was my MC. He just came from Bronx, and he said, "Yo, this is what they're doing in Bronx." He let me hear this cassette tape of Grandmaster Flash and Theodore. I said, "It's impossible. Somebody cut like that. That's crazy. They can't do it." And then Russell Simmons came and said, "Yo, I'm doing a party at Hotel Diplomat. I want you guys to be there and DJ, and we're gonna have Grandmaster Flash." And when I went to the Hotel Diplomat, I think majority of all the DJs that I know of in Queens was there. Cause we all wanted to stand around and watch this guy named Grandmaster Flash. You remember that lip? Was you there that night? Uh, this is the Diplomat? Hotel Diplomat, the first time we, matter of fact, the record was out was Ring My Bell. Cause I remember I messed that mix up. And yeah, yeah, I was there. Yeah, and we there. all looked at him and we said, "Oh, he putting a needle. He put a a a, a quarter on the record on the uh, the head of the needle, and he marked his records." And I said, "Oh, that's it!" Immediately, the next day, I, me and Devon was in there practicing, coming up with our routine because Queens, what we were doing, we would do cuts and mixes and blends. They wasn't doing that in Bronx because they didn't have that type of turntables. But we was doing cuts blends and mixes in bronx they were doing scratching and cutting uh, a lot of scratching and cutting and just just cut the record in and they, they scratched the record <laughs> in. that was the difference but when we combined both then you had amalgamation of everything going on and by what what they was doing in uptown fed us in queens for instance the style of rap they were doing was crazy different than what we were doing in queens they was actually giving you lyrics, not that uh, uh, hip hop. You don't stop and all that stuff. No, no. See, but, but see, Tony, like I said, you know, you're talking about you're talking about a period of of, of cultural evolution, right? So when you have that happens, you know what? So something that's not prominent at the time can evolve from something else. You're right. You know? That's exactly it can evolve from something else because if you look at Run DMC, right? Run DMC, and I remember. When I first heard Sucker MC, right? I was shocked. I, I remember Sucker MC, and I, I heard those lyrics coming out of, of, of that song. I'm like, yo, those these are the cats that was in the basement at the time. These are the cats that was not in the clubs, 
You know what I mean? They were not in the, in, 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 right there in, in the forefront. Those The style that they dropped on that record, that wasn't what was happening in the scene. You know, but it, it, it was uh, 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 the changing of the guards. You know, yeah, so it right. totally changed what happened, and, and, and it took over. It did, but one thing you're missing, when in the 70s, every time I DJ for Russell, that's his brother. I used to let him get on the mic. Run used to beg me all the time, and I let him get on the mic. My brother on the on, let him get on the mic. And Young Guard and uh, Run was good friends because they was in the same class together. But Run learned his style from watching all the parties Russell did. All the parties we did for Russell, because it was it was one uh, a lot of times when we would do four parties in one night. They had my sound system in Bronx, and I would be with Bobby Bob and Russell, and we would drive to Queens, Bronx, and Brooklyn, and Manhattan, because they had us on four, five or four flyers in different boroughs. And he would ride Grandmaster Flash in the car. I had Curtis Blow with me, and we put the record the record crates. We only take a certain amount of records because we would do a show and then leave and go to another borough. Russell used to knock it out like that. He would have four to five parties in one night. Really, it's just four because we didn't go to Staten Island. It was always Queens, Brooklyn, Bronx, and Uptown. And that's how it was in those days. And he was a hustler. And then when he left and started doing records, I got his right-hand man, Bobby Bob, and we started doing parties a lot. That's when we did the, uh, the big jam at the hotel, not the hotel, at Chrysler King. As, I think it was 1981. We did a I'm party at Chrysler King. King Church. No, they're not saying that, that, that it started in Queens. They're just, no, no, they're, just they're, they're just going, they're just um, giving their experiences. No, we never said it started. What started in Queens, we were DJing. We wasn't calling it hip hop. We was calling it B-Boy. Um, but if you go, if you if you look at uh, the timestamp of when the terminology of hip hop came, that's not till eighty one, eighty two. That's right. right. Not literally eighty. Uh, right. Seventy nine. The record came out. It, so. Yeah, I don't remember it calling hip hop. It was not. Growing the, the, up. It was the, in hip hop. It, people were emceeing or they were rhyming or you know it wasn't. It wasn't. Yeah, no, that know. didn't happen till like eight, 81. Yeah, eighty one. Yeah, eighty one. Around eighty one. Well, and I, I thought the well, term I, b-boy know, terminology came from the bronx yeah bronx. exactly exactly b-boy terminology came from the bronx guess who, okay. who did it i was with russell i never forget this me russell simmons curtis blow and bobby bob we was at his crib chilling out and all of a sudden this the news flash came on we was watching the news they said it's a new musical culture going on out there and this group called uh sugar hill gang oh yeah and this new music called hip hop, and we <laughs> Curtis Blow and Run and uh, Curtis Blow and Russell said it's not called hip hop; it's called b boy. This is no lie. I admit, I remember it like it was yesterday because it was another record but came out in the seventies. Yeah, nineteen seventy nine. Okay. I never forget. That's when um, Good Times was out. Good Times. Okay. Was it came out in 78, but that record played for two, three years. That's when records really lasted for a long time. So they, I think the news media gave it the name because that's the only thing they can go by. But before that, and this is as far as I remember, I know every time we would DJ, yo, we're doing it for the B-Boys. Come on, the B-Boys, because we had the B-Boys, they do the B-Boys stands. 
That's when everybody was doing the b-boy stance. They were standing a certain way, and then they put down a mat on the floor and they started dancing. Yeah, now, yeah, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Now that came with the graffiti, the break dancing, exactly. all exactly. in one. And well, then there was another course, time. But see, if, if, if you're connecting all that in, in the dots, right? Well, B-Boys uh, was early, early if, 70s. Yeah, you're no, if you're connecting early. all of that, listen, listen. When when I was when I was in Shima, which is middle school for me, right? We were writing graffiti. We were going to the, the, uh, uh, the walls and we were going to the dugouts and all that stuff. I remember doing that dumb shit because I was influenced. Yeah, I know. We it was all. strictly influenced. Mm-hmm. You know the daycare center on 100 and... Uh, uh, 112 down from Will's block. I had a big mural right there. Mm-hmm. I didn't know you, know? you did that graffiti. That was just influence. I, I didn't know that. It, 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 huh? I didn't know you did graffiti. Yeah, I did graffiti. I know. I, I remember Rab, Rab who passed away. He was a big graffiti artist. But I, I didn't realize. I, you know, because yeah, I was doing I, a lot I, of I things. I did graffiti. Too. You know, but th- that was more or less, it like I said, that was, yeah. that was something that culture. was just cultural. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Before... Everything got tied into okay, you know what this is part of, of what uh, a cultural movement is around hip hop. It was happening, you know what I mean? It was just happening. It was happening well, in the they, boroughs. They clumped it all together because there you go. Everything, well, not us, but everything bad gets clumped together. So hip hop, graffiti, break dancing, rapping, you know, they consider that you know not good music or not good culture. So that's why they come. Comp- clumped it all together and said, oh, this is what y'all guys are right there. What, I mean, what you just said you right know, there is exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. What you just said right there is exactly what it is, you know, because mm-hmm. that's what it was, you know? Yeah, yeah. and we made it positive, which was a good yep. thing. We didn't we didn't care what they said. We knew what we were doing and we knew that we were doing it good. We, we and look at it world. now. We look at it now. World. Yeah, look at it now. Everybody wants to, you know, all types of culture wants to do hip hop, all types mm-hmm. of culture wants mm-hmm. to rap, all types of culture wants to look and mimic um, what we started, you know? So now, now it's, um, now it's okay, supposedly. Yeah. I remember my mother, uh, she didn't like hip hop until we started sampling old records. And I, I remember, I never forget this was like 1983. I said, Ma, you got any old records? She said, Yeah, over there. I'll go in the crates. And then she said, You should play this record called Tramp. I said, Tramp, let me hear it. <laughs> and I heard that beat, do that, do, 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 Tramp. What you call me, Tramp? Uh-huh. I said, Oh, shoot, this beat is dope. <laughs> and I went and got another record, and then we would cut it. And that's in, in, in those days, that old record was done on a 45. In order to cut that, you would take the 45 and put it on an old 12-inch record you didn't want, and you put mm-hmm. it on and glue it to it so you could scratch mm-hmm. it. So oh, it okay. And oh, okay. what made my m- mother, and as you, if you look at hip-hop, as hip-hop grown, more older people like it because of what? We were rocking their old songs. Heavy exactly. D, it's the big stuff. That blew mm-hmm. him up. Yeah. Now, the thing about Heavy D, he made a difference in hip hop because I probably some people don't know this. Heavy D was supposed to be signed to Def Jam. Def Jam didn't like Heavy D because he said he's too corny. And then mm-hmm. Andre Harrell said, no, it's a market for commercial stuff. So he took Heavy D and signed them and they started Uptown Records. And the very first record came out with Mr. Big Stuff, and that went platinum right away. Yeah, 
Yeah. So what do you think about what do you think about the, the, the way it's evolving now? What do you what do you think of the 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 industry now as far as um hip hop and, and and where it's at now? Well, I think for uh they doing that trap thing, that's their thing, but I noticed they're starting to have a full circle coming around because you got a lot of artists now are sampling all old hip hop. Okay. Um Nicki Minaj is one. Uh, it's a lot of rappers using it now, and I, and a lot of times when I talk to young brothers out there that's coming up, I tell them first thing you need to do: don't sound like homeboy, and don't sound like that guy. I mean, you can do your own style and still be credible, but just don't. A lot of these rappers nowadays they're kind of lazy, you know. When it, when I, when I say lazy, meaning they're not trying to be different. Mm. Just because this guy's rapping like that, you're gonna rap like that. When we came up. That was a no-no. Matter of fact, right. that was taboo. Right. You didn't get signed if you sound if you sound like somebody else. They you had right. to create your own style. Precisely. Yeah, yeah. There, there, there was that period of time when when actually um, labels were looking for um, artists that uh, had something different, you know. Mm -hmm. But you know, it, it 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 changed over time. I think. Yeah, and I, I remember I when you, I was. If, when we were trying to develop acts down here in the basement, we were like, yo, man, you got that nervous sound. Use that. As a matter of fact, you got to have a gimmick. And we used to say a gimmick, but we had people that sound nervous, so it's a nervous rap. Then you had a person like Old Dirty. This is no, this is the real deal I'm about to tell you. When Old Dirty, before he became Old Dirty, he used to do the human beatbox for the genius. And then one day he got on the mic, and I said, and we were talking, I said, man, you sound like a... a an old man, and he, and he had this raspy type of sound. He said, that's what I'm going to call myself. I'm going to call him Old Dirty. And then he added Bastard at the end. Mm. But that came later when we became Wu-Tang. But before then, it was Old Dirty. And oh, then okay. and that's, every time we had an act come in the basement, we made sure they had a certain sound. If a rapper would come to me and they want to rent time, and they sound regular, I wouldn't say nothing to them. But if someone come in and this guy sound crazy dope, I said, yo, man, your shit is hot. I need well, to work with it, you. Listen, 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 listen. Hip hop has always been about uh, having uh, a unique style. A unique style. That's what it's always been about. You know what I'm saying? It's always been about having something unique. Even till this day, you know what I'm saying? There are artists that come out, it's far and few in between, yep, but. You're right they will have something unique and that's what sticks you know what i mean you have to be unique in your own way yeah there's a lot of people who clone and 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 and, and they get a they get a minute they get a shine you know what i'm saying but uniqueness was always going to be a you know what is the driving source behind why you stick and why you you get a, a real following and people get behind what you're doing it's gotta be unique you know what i mean and that's that's the foundation for it you know a, a perfect example is this Trap music, everybody know trap music. However, when this rapper came out named Freddie Wap, when I heard his sound, I said, that guy sounds different. Mm -hmm. uh, when Drake came out, he sounded different. It's just the texture of their voice sometimes could be their factor, or their yeah. lyrics could be their factor. It's so many different things that, mm -hmm. that makes people draw towards a, an artist. Like Poor Righteous Teachers, I love the way they were doing metaphors and phrases in their rap. That was a game changer. 
So over the years, it just kept elevating and oh, changing. Clarity. Clarity. <laughs> when, when you when you're doing it, when you got a lot of marbles in your mouth, I don't know. Yeah, it's exactly. Just, they call that mumble mumble rap. But, <laughs> but if you look, if you pay attention to uh, the commercials today, you hear a lot of rap records on commercials. Mm -hmm. uh, just because what they were saying made sense. You can get with this or you can get with that. And it was a car company. And now right. they got Onyx. Let boys be boys, slam. And it was a commercial for that. And what they do, they go back in the past. They did the same thing with Motown records and stuff like that and R&B records. But mm -hmm. the media, the people now that's in control were kids back in the days. Now they're going to take what they used to listen to and put it in their commercials. And that's what's happening. And, and a lot of the, a lot of difference of today is that these kids or the, these up and coming um, um, singers and entertainers, they don't need management. They go right on streaming and they do and they make their own money. And, and, and it's like everybody's becoming millionaires like off of TikTok and and, you know, these other um, social platforms where. Um, a lot of the management is getting um, locked out. No, not, not, not necessarily management. What, what you have, you have certain, yeah, you have certain situations where people don't act next, necessarily feel that they need to go the major label route. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's okay. You know what I'm saying? Because if you, if, if I look at myself as an individual, you know what I'm saying? I did records for major labels, but I was never. A major label. I was never part of that system. You know what I mean? I did records. I did, you know, I produced some stuff that 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 did it with that. But my my mindset was always independence. You know what I'm saying? I wanted to own what I did, and I did that. So you have a lot more of that going on as well today. You know, that's all it is. I have a a a, um, a listener that said, which artist or group did you guys work with that left big the biggest impression on you in your career in your music career? I would say Mary J. Blige for me. Well, for and me, okay. I, I have I have a, a, a colorful past. So um, I have like Chub Rock. I have Foo Schnickens. I have Living Color. I have dancehall artists like Screechy, Ghost, Roundhead, uh, Spraga Benz. You know, some of these guys you probably don't know, but they're they're big in their in in their uh, culture. Um, uh, so that that's some some of for me, you know. At and that's another thing. Do, do, is it is it fair? You know, you just named a couple of people that I really didn't know. I mean, mm -hmm. I, some of them I did, some of them. And and it's like, you know, sometimes people work so hard and don't get no recognition at all. And and and, and I think this year, which is the 50 years of, of hip hop, this is a time where those who were left behind and those who who um should have got recognition is not getting it. I think this is the time that it should be coming out, you know, now and, and yeah. digging these people out because they made, they, they paved the, the way like y'all guys, you yeah, know, well, it's but unfortunately I, for me, for me, I, I'm comfortable with the fact of like, you know, uh, where I, where I stood in terms of my, my background in terms of the music and the industry. I, I, I don't, I, I never really looked at it from the, you know, having, you know, a, a big notoriety and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, in terms of, you know, recognition for, for some of the things I did. 
I, I have the catalog. I have those things that I did, you know what I'm saying, that are successful. You know what I'm saying? Those are the things mm -hmm. that I own and things of that nature. So I, I, I you know. But it'd be do. nice for us to know that 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 is that you were the one responsible for certain things. Yeah, it's beautiful. You know yeah. what I'm saying? I, I've never I've never really, you know, uh, gone out and tried to like, OK, hey, hear me out, whatever. Oh, no, not yeah. in that sense. No, no, no. Not, not yeah, no, here, yeah, no. no. Yeah. But for me, that that's what it is. I, I continue to strive and, and move along. You know what I'm saying? So I, I've never gotten comfortable with anything that I've done. You know, so anything I did in the past is just like, oh, it's work in progress. Yep. You understand what I'm saying? It's work in progress. So I'm I'm right. I'm always working to to outdo whatever I did in the past. Yep. Okay. Whatever I did, you know? Um yeah, but, same but so it's, if, it's if I would have stopped it in nineteen seventy nine. Yeah, it's what what you're saying, I understand, but that's the nature of the beast. Um I, I for instance, uh the three brothers from Wu Tang, uh they they gave me calls about what about five years ago. Oh, they're doing this documentary uh, on uh, HBO, one of them channels, and they called me up. They needed flyers and stuff, and I'm watching. I said, I know they're gonna be saying something about me, and they ain't say shit. So wow. those things you, it, it, they come and go. It doesn't matter. Uh, like for instance, I had a studio in uh, Hollis, Queens, and I got robbed, and they got me for a hundred thousand dollars worth of equipment. Uh, the genius for Wu Tang heard it. And two weeks later, he came by my crib, told me to get in the car. We rode to Sam Ash and he bought me $20,000 worth of equipment. And he said okay. to me, it wasn't for you understanding I wouldn't be where I'm at. So yeah, I felt right. the love. And That's then, then That's you turn respect. around, yeah. old Absolutely. dirty bastard. You turn around, he's with the same crew, old dirty bastard. I saw him my BMW when he had nothing. He's just starting out. And when he made it big and I ran into him, he's like, yo, that's that dude we used to work for. I said, mm -hmm. I said, yo, man, you know me. What the hell are you acting like that for? And the genius came to me and says, yo, his head is blown up. And that's, mm -hmm. you can't control people like that. Hey, yeah. listen, I, yeah. I had a record, I, I have a record company called Fully Blown, so I understand. <laughs> yo, that happens in the, that's the nature that, of the that, beast. Yeah, that, that's it's just sad. how it is. You know? That's how it, it is. That's, that's then, how it is. You know? And then when everything blows over, they come back down to earth. Yo, man, I know I was acting like that. Man, don't, you have to say nothing to me. I already understand the, the situation. But the thing I don't get is they forget who got them there. And that's one thing I try not to do because uh, you're blocking your blessings in a way because this person looked out for you and got you mm -hmm. on your path. And now you know, made it real big and... Boom! When you when you come down, but, but you know what, Tony? You, you know what? You know what, Tony? You know what, Tony? Listen, for me, it all comes full circle. You know what I'm saying? Because as hot as you might have gotten, right, you cool off. Yep. All right. So what's the difference now? A whole new audience. You you think you think my daughter knows half of the shit I fucking did, or people who are of of my generation of my time? They don't fucking. Know. I'm sorry. They don't. You're they right. Don't they don't know. They don't. Okay. Know. So same deal. Same deal. Yeah. 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 The same thing you said, my youngest daughter, she's 14, and I never really mentioned anything. And then when this 50th anniversary came up and I started, Daddy, I didn't know you was doing hip hop. I said, yeah. Oh, my God. I'm going to tell all my friends in school. Let me see your stuff. And I sent her stuff. And she's like, 
Then Who the hell said these, your right? daddy was cute right, when he was right, younger? Right, but, it's, but but that's the that's just like history. We we don't know um, back in the days of World War One and World War Two, but we learned about it and or or, or, or you know um, the the slavery and we don't know you know the the, the people who what? who made a difference and we learned and we appreciate them. But you have to talk about it in order for us to know what? exactly where you stand. It ha- it, it has to be. Uh, publicized. It has to be. You know and that's happening now with this 50th anniversary. Now. I'm not gonna lie to you. Uh, I felt very good. Uh, I got like over seven plaques and, and honors from the last two months. Yeah. The last two months, I said, "Wow, I feel mm-hmm. appreciated now." But nevertheless, and there's one brother who got his plaque. He said, "Instead of the plaque, I would like some money." <laughs> I said, "That's yeah. not gonna happen." So. <laughs> Yo, but that's what another is, thing, that, and that's another thing that a lot of the artists from back in the days are, are you, they, you know, they don't have any money. They have no money, no health insurance. They're, you know, and they're struggling. And 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 I think that something should be done. With, well, I think somebody, I had Eddie um, um, Chiba, and I think he said somebody is doing something. Um, I'm trying to do something for the old timer. Um, yeah, from back that- in the days. We wasn't uh, at that time. We didn't realize it was going to last this long, and we didn't realize it was coming to this. But because if we did, we'd have done what they do in football, basketball, baseball, and all these other uh, industries. And they put a nest egg, and they made the labels put money do, away. But they put money not, away for it in football either. They oh, just they just starting to do they, not football. My bad. You're right. Basketball. I know they okay. uh, they put money to the side for the mm-hmm. old school guys, so right. I think they're getting a pension of a hundred thousand dollars a month or something like that. That's mm-hmm. little compared to what they was getting prior, but that right. that's more than enough to keep them going, more than enough. So for with it, for us in hip hop, not having control of the media as a whole because mm-hmm. hip hop is fragmented. You got this person doing this thing, you got that person. But if you put everything together and say, look, when you make your records or you get a deal, the label's got to put something in the kitty for the future. That never happened. Mm. I'm on, I got my, I got, um, I I don't uh, don't know if that's part of the music industry as a whole. Huh? I said, I don't know if that's a part of the music industry as a whole. Well, ASCAP had, and when I was at ASCAP, they had this little program. I never signed up. That was my problem. But they had a program. Every time you get uh, a payments or anything, they would take it and take it out and put it away and they add something to it. But I never got down. They they asked us, yeah, I want to do it. I said, no. And because in those days, you're just trying to get as much money as you can. Before I got on the union, we performed on the Apollo. Before you form on the Apollo, this union rep comes out and they get they get uh, the union dues before you even get on stage. This is no wow. lie. They, they got the wow. union. They, they took our yeah, union yeah, dues no, out I, before we got I, on stage. I, I, remember, I remember doing uh, uh, a show at the Apollo. I remember. Yeah. Um, and they take, they, they made you pay for the union dues. Well, no, no, the union, did, they get, they, they already contacted uh, whatever show you was on. Like when Jeff Red did uh, Soul Train, I was there with him. The they call them music police. They come in, they deal with the uh, the show. They take it out the check automatically. They got two checks, one for the music police and one for you. 
Now, mm. that's when you first get on TV. They charge you. After that, you don't pay anymore. But that was a lesson for me to be learned because um, my group, we did the Apollo and we thinking we're getting $8,000 a piece and all this. And after they take all their money out, we only got like two to 3,000. And then wow. that's another thing that a lot of brothers don't realize. They give you all your money and it's up to you to pay your taxes and pay your bills. And that's how a lot of brothers get lost. A lot of them, they, they get broke because they get they this check. They get this check and they think it's always going to come in. So they go out and buy this thick ass rope chain or they buy a, a, yes. a nice rod and they live in the projects. That yes. don't make no sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, no. that was always, a, that was always it back in the days. I mean, it took a lot that to happens get out of today too. Listen, that that's a simple process. You're sole proprietor. Yeah. Um, it's just, they're not used to things like that and they wasn't taught how to manage money. Thank God I had a mother that looked out for me and said, you better put that money in the bank. And if you're going to buy something, buy something that's going to give you interest or it's something that's valuable, that's going to keep the value. Or, uh, don't go out there and buy a Mercedes Benz when you ain't got uh, uh, a house to put no it in. A park it. <laughs> yeah. So I got smart. I went with I'll Be Sure. His father at that time had a dealership. And I got my BMW going to a dealer. I ain't paid. I ain't paid like that BMW. I think I paid eight thousand dollars for. At that mm -hmm. time, it was worth thirty five thousand. I did not pay that type of money. I listened to Andre Harrell and those guys say, "Yo, go." I'll be sure that he's got a dealership. He's a dealer, and that's how I got my ride. Oh, okay. So yeah, a lot gold of gold is definitely a good investment. Yeah, you just. Um, the thing I tell everybody, you get that type of money, buy a house. Buy a house. Yeah, buy something that's going that that that's gonna, you know, um make money. You know, you buy you know, you buy cars, they depreciate, they go down in value. You buy a house, it goes up in value. Up in you value. have to buy things that goes up exactly. in value. And that's the uh, that's another, you know, and then what taught me another lesson when I was doing the movie house party. And that's how good hip hop is to everybody if you take advantage of it. Um, mm -hmm. When I did the house party soundtrack, here's the Hutland brothers coming to me saying, yo brother, did you ever think about getting into filmmaking? I said, I love it, I wanna do this. He said, well, we don't need the, the brothers in front of the camera, we need brothers behind the camera. Mm. And when he sparked that in my memory, I said, that's what I wanna do next. And so when I left the music industry, after I got robbed in 94, I was with Divine the day I got robbed. Matter of fact, he came with me to the house and, and seen my place. Right, Divine? You was with me that day, right? Yeah. We went to Jack Queens. the Rapper. We went to Atlantic City. We went to Atlantic City to Jack the Rapper. And when we came back, my place was cleaned out. In Queens. In Queens. In Hollis, Queens. I, I cried like a baby. But... Mm -mm. It took all my passion on doing music out of my system. I, I didn't feel like I want to do anything with music. And I went towards being, uh, getting into, um, Tony, media. that wouldn't happen to you if you were still in Southside. You know that, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. That's what, my, that's what I told my mother. Cause I wanted to keep the studio here and she's like, no. And then when I got robbed, she's like, if you'd have kept it here, I said, you don't want somebody to get the hell out. <laughs> and you know what they say, don't let people know when you're away. Yeah. 
Well, that's what happened. So, but mm -hmm. at that time, I was working with Herb Gotti, Black Child, and uh, Ja Rule. And I just finished doing Help the Skelter uh, original Gun Clappers album. And I never forget, Herb Gotti brought Supreme, one of the guys from Supreme Team, a drug dealer, and they made me an offer. It's like, look, understanding, we want to do a label with you. We got you. We're going to put a million into you. I was like, I, I don't want to do that. Uh, you know, I, matter of fact, when he said that to me, I could see him putting a gun to my head, going to kill me because I didn't do things right. So I said, no, nah, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that, bro. And then yeah. a week later, my place was cleaned out. I can't say they did it, but that's what happened. And all of a sudden, at the same time, Black Child, I didn't see him no more. Didn't see Ja Rule no more. Didn't see Herb Gotti no more. Right mm. after I got robbed. Yikes. Not even coming by and saying, yo, man, I heard What's you got up, wrong. Right? Wow. But like I said, I didn't know who did it. All I know what happened. And that made me say, you know what? I don't want to do this no more. Because I don't know who got me. And that's the, the worst feeling to have. That's definitely. A, getting robbed is definitely a horrible wow. feeling. Horrible. It's vi you're violated. It's just horrible. Oh, yeah. horrible. Just so, it's they just even poured water in my TVs. So when oh. I turn my TV on, I said, oh, shit, wow. don't turn the other TV on. Yeah, they, they, they got me back. And I, I'm saying to myself, what I do, what did I do to someone to do this to me? And I didn't do anything but just do the right thing. Exactly. You know? but I didn't jerk anybody. Yeah. Because you kept going after that. Yep. You didn't let that stop you. I mean, you you was down for for a minute, but you got yeah, back. Yeah, it's just up, it's just a, a chapter. Thing. That's all it is. It's, a it's chapter. another chapter yeah. in life. And I never That's forget it. my mother. I told my mom, she's like, "Son, this happened for a reason. God mm -hmm. wants me." I said, "What? What God want me to do? This is my life. I don't." Do. And then I didn't realize, right? Like she said, all of a sudden I started getting into media, and I said, "I want to do film," and I started working towards that. There you go. From 95, I got me a job at this company and they was cross training people to learn how to do media. And for this new thing that's coming in 2000 called multimedia. So I learned how to do mm. web development and I was doing websites in 98. I started learning how to do websites. In those days, you would get paid $100 an hour to do work because there wasn't that many people doing it. Okay. I learned Photoshop. I learned Photoshop in 94, no, 95, going to 96. So I had the skills of that going on, and I still had the passion for music. And when I started doing web development and everything, I said, you know what? I need to combine music with the media, and I think we can really get something done. And next thing you know, I started doing multimedia. And when 2000 came in, I opened up my first multimedia studio in Harlem. Okay. Oh, in Harlem. Okay. Yeah. It was a, it was a what good was the name of it? Uh, studio 116. It was on 116th Street and 2nd Avenue. Okay. Spanish Harlem area. Spanish Harlem. Okay. Yeah. It lasted for about three and a half years. My daughter at the time had cancer. And I had to close the joint down. I thought I was I wasn't gonna have a daughter anymore and this and that, but she survived it. Oh, and God, it made and I said, damn, I got robbed, my daughter got cancer. What else is God gonna do to me? Oh no. You and my mom, my mother said, way. he just making you stronger. Mm -hmm. I said, How is he making me stronger doing this shit? <laughs> I never forget that. <laughs> but however, 
know. And after that, now. Mm-hmm. anything comes to me that's, that's negative doesn't bother me anymore. That's right. Because I've been through everything. You've been through the so, worst, yeah. So I just focused on that, went down south, came back, started a business. Now we have a, I have my own film studio in Reading, Pennsylvania. Okay. It, it's a, it's, it's not real big. We spent three, we spent three and a half million dollars for the place. Huh? That's what you're doing now. Yeah, that's what I'm doing now. Okay, nice. We already did uh, six films. Okay. Uh, four of the films are still, uh, it's going to to be, uh, we just waiting for that to go through and then they'll be out. But the thing Love I'm looking to do Tubi. now, you said now, any of what any of the shows that you have now out now or, or they're coming no, out now, they're, they'll they're be out, out by the end of the year. Okay. The end of the year. So okay. um, now what we're doing is I'm coming full circle. Now I'm doing beats again for my movies. <laughs> okay. okay. So didn't lose that. Mixed. Yeah. So I felt that. What the way is the way America is now, an artist for an artist, you got to be into movies, everything, because you're not going to make money, a lot of money just rapping. Uh, the money is not large like it used to be. You might make a million or two online, and then when you're getting it like that, you're going to spin it up, especially if you haven't been educated mm-hmm. on how to work with money. So, therefore, uh, the kids nowadays doesn't have the luxury we had, uh, which uh, it's a, I guess this, that, that, a they're another type. generation. So for it's them, used to that. Mm-hmm. it's a different time. That's it. Mm-hmm. And I always say to myself, you know what? That's our generation. That's mm-hmm. their, their generation now. So what they're yeah. doing is things they understand and know how to get over. So I'll just leave it like that. Yeah, it's all about money now. Back then with us, it was more of a popularity thing. Here is everything is more about money, 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 money. It's like it's just. It's I, just I don't. I don't want. Money. I want to correct you on that. It was about what money happened? back in the days too. Now, <laughs> not not like it is now. Not, uh, I mean, like I mean, it you all said, depends you on what era. You had eighty dollars and you was happy. No, no, oh, that $60. was all right. Put, put, that was when I was thirteen. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I, but when I'm I got saying. in my hold on, let me explain something to you. When hip hop got sophisticated enough, and I'm talking about seventy nine, eighty. By nineteen seventy six, we wanted to get paid. Paid. It was. It yeah, was a competition on. Money. Like they said, oh the no, no, got no, 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 no. It wasn't the money. Like not yet. That. Not 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 at that time, Tony. No I'm just way. talking about me. I'm that talking about how it I wasn't, felt. It, it, it I, wasn't. No way. Nineteen seventy six. Let me explain. No let me explain. Let me explain to you how it went yeah, for me. About when I heard when I heard the twins got five hundred dollars, I wanted five hundred dollars. Okay, I was so that, getting, that's it, right. Five hundred. That's a lot for you back then, but now it's five million dollars. <laughs> yeah, but, but but I'm saying that never left for me. It never left me. I I realized. Remember earlier, I was saying I was making money in the parks when I was 15 and 16 right, when I DJ. Right. It was always right. money with me. I right. mean, okay. I, I would do it for free, but if I find I found out I can make money from it, I'm going to monetize that. And okay. it's uh, like, for instance, it was a time that my group as DJs was getting 150 to DJ. That was a lot of money in those days. But how when I found free out stuff that you do back in the days to get to, to how many how many free um, shows and free 
um, giving out free rent. You're um, not even charging people for your equipment. And how much how much free stuff you did back then? You only free. Oh no, no. You only thing I did for free. <laughs> let me. I ain't gonna, I'm gonna let you know this. As DJ Cipher sounds, only thing we did for free is in the summertime we went out in the parks, mm-hmm. and even then I learned how to monetize from that. But okay. it was free for the people, mm-hmm. but we made somebody else pay. And that was the guy who was selling hot dogs, ice right. and ice cream. But you won't do that lot. now, though. Excuse me? You won't do that now. <laughs> oh, now I do it even bigger. <laughs> you won't do now, it. Now, if, I, if I'm doing a movie, I go out and I, it's called product placement in movies. Oh, you want right. to put your product in? Give yeah. me fifty thousand. If you want this in my exactly. movie, give me twenty-five thousand. Exactly, exactly. And now exactly. in the parks, you want to put your hot dog stand here? Give me fifty dollars. <laughs> you want to put your, you want to put your ice cream machine here? Give me fifty dollars. Fifty dollars in nineteen seventy-six, seventy-seven, seventy-eight was good money, especially yeah. if you got it from four different avenues. And then I worked with the drug. I ain't gonna lie to you. I used to work with the drug dealers. They would sell weed. They say, how long are you going to be out here? I don't know. You tell me. Well, I'll give you $50 more to stay out. I bet. <laughs> so it was always for me a hustle. A hustle. There you go. It was a hustle. I ain't going to lie to you. All right. All right. Okay. Okay. For, for, for that standpoint, um, I, I myself, right, I in those early days, I was having fun. You there know you mean? go. I, I, I bought the equipment out and I did all that mm-hmm. stuff. I never even thought about the Frank mm-hmm. man, the Frank standard, the ICs. I didn't never thought about it from that perspective. I came out, we was playing music, was having fun, mm-hmm. and it was about entertainment. That's what it was for me. Now, by the time I got into the business, you know what I mean? The business business, you know what I'm saying? Right. We're talking 86, 87, yeah, 88. The 80s, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. By, yeah. By the 80s, I, I, I realized, you know what? I was I was an entrepreneur and I was exactly. about my business. It, you know it, what started I mean? to, it started to be all about the money. I mean, it, 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 you're supposed to. You're supposed to get paid for, you know, doing what you do. I mean, but I personally think now, today, in today's world, I think it's just so much of it, so much money. And, and and nobody's doing anything with it. it, it it's it's just it's sad because the money that's being generated now you're talking about millions and millions of dollars, and we still have um, a lot of um, you know we don't have boys and girls clubs anymore. We don't have these places where these kids can go and get off the street. No one is paying attention to these kids. These kids are out there doing bad things, and and everybody's you know spending their money not yeah. y'all guys i'm talking about people with you know i, I understand what you're saying it's um, it's like all right all right everybody got their stories in hip-hop what got mm-hmm. me into it um if you listen to what i was saying when i first started when my moms allowed me to give a party and i mm-hmm. made 67 dollars and 75 cent mm-hmm. i was hooked yeah and then after that we ran into this guy named ronald Flemings who had the equipment and me and, me and DJ Divine, we had turntables, but we didn't have a lot of equipment. He let us use his equipment and we started making more money. Then it wasn't, I was still happy to go out there and DJ because a lot of times when I found out I can make money from the ice cream man, he the one who came to me and said, I will give you $50 if, you place, if I can place my van there, the truck there. And then after that, a light went off, bing. Oh, I can do it to this guy too. I can do it to that guy. And they all said, yeah. 
So it's, for me, it was just a no-brainer. But before that happened, I was out there DJing in the parks for free. Mm -hmm. it, it was still yeah. free. It was just only people we uh, charge was the vendors that want to park right next to where we're at so they can right. get all the ice cream they can sell it to the kids. Right. And then they would pay me even more because I would I learned, I said, you know what? If I tell them I'm leaving at one, they're going to want to pay me more money. So I told them, yo, I'm leaving at one in the morning. Yo, can you stay to three? Yeah, I don't know. Yo, man, yo, here's another 25. So I learned, I learned like that. Did you share with, with your partners? Because DJ I didn't tell nobody shit. I didn't tell nobody shit. Because <laughs> Devine don't even know about DJ that. DJ Devine said he know nothing of that. <laughs> I, I didn't tell nobody because... Come on, Tony, wait for a second. One second. See, all that, all that, all that's real news to me. My <laughs> I know, he didn't know. <laughs> he, was, he was hustling on the side. Right. My, <laughs> thing, my thing is, we go out in the park, we play the music, everyone enjoy themselves, uh, everybody gets home safe, and that's it. You know, uh -oh. so it was never, it was, for me, I'm going to tell you, for me, it was never about the money because I know that mm -hmm. with the talent, your ability, and the popularity, you, the money is going to come. Of course, yeah. of course. Yeah. Yeah. And it did. Yeah. Eventually, yeah. And it did. So yeah. um, that never that never been a hustle to me. It's always <laughs> been it's always been a love. Right. A love just to play, it, you know, and, and have fun. It was a love for me too. But yeah, however, what happened? <laughs> they what happened? It happened to me. But and matter of fact, it happened after you left and you started Infinity Machine because the first. I would say the first three years, no, two years going out in the park, never, no one never came to me. It happened in 1977. I was 17. Never I came out the park. Soon as spring came in, I went out in the park and DJ. But when the guy said they're going to pay me for this and that, I said, it just, a light bulb went off. And then when they was paying me, I never said done nothing to nobody because it was between me and the guy who was doing it. However, it was still a love. Cause I would be out there still DJing. Wait, hold on, stop for a second. Listen, stop listen, you don't, you don't, you don't, you can't backtrack now. Cause I'm pretty sure DJ Divine is back there tallying everything up now. Well, no, me and Divine. Wait, 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 wait. Mm -hmm. So, so Gail, Gail Till says he owes you now, Divine. Yeah, he owes me now. Yeah. Well, well, you gotta understand. In 1977. Divine was with Infinity Machine. I was with oh, like, I, I was just talking about myself. He's backpedaling now. No, no, I'm just no, I'm not <laughs> backpedaling. I'm just telling you. No, I'm just oh, telling you the time period. Because when, when, when we did the parts, no, when we did the parts, when we did the parts, when I did the parts, it was a guy picking me up, drove me over there with their station wagon. Those days it was a station wagon. I had two speakers, and I was out there with my brother and my cousin Prince. The DJ Divine had Infinity Machine in 1977. We started Cypher Sounds in 1975. He left in 76. He left and started Infinity Machine. And then when I went to the parks, I didn't have a whole bunch of equipment. I only brought out two speakers, two Altec speakers, and we would work it. And then at that time, I was with just Ronald Flemings, my cousin Prince Divine, and my brother Arnie that's what that was the days when I started getting Spanky, Kevy Kev, and all those guys to work with me. 
But when it comes down to jamming in the parks with Divine, that was the uh, the early days. We didn't even do the parks. We did the community centers. When we first started DJing, we was doing originals of Jamaica. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no. Yeah. And, and then when I started doing the things in the park, we was doing it in the parks, but it didn't really hit off until people started getting used to it. In 1977, this guy said this and that, and then I started... My brother was selling weed too at the time. And I remember Big Jamel said, Yo, man, I'm going to go to the beer house. It was a discount house where you can get beer. And he bought quarts of old gold for 75 cents. And when you guys are giving out o'clock. too we much started, information right now. We started playing in the parks and set. We started playing in the parks. Too much information. Way longer than that. Earlier than Yo, that. Yo, but I, that's how it happened. Big Jamel, we were selling quarts of old, old gold beer in the parks at the 12 o'clock. We were getting five dollars a bottle. <laughs> they was bootlegging, Diane. Didn't I tell you Cypher Towns was different? Him. You mad at him. Yo, that's how Cypher, that's how we were. We was hustlers. Because my brother you, was telling me. I, I guess me, you needed money to buy the equipment and the albums you needed to play the, the music. Precisely. So. Precisely. <laughs> you needed you needed some type of money. Huh? Can you mute him and let Livio talk? <laughs> Livio, Livio Way too G, much information. What, what you say? <laughs> way too much information. I'm laughing right now. I can't wait to I can't wait to do a movie because I can put on all that dirt. Oh God. Y'all definitely have enough um stuff to do a documentary or something. You you y'all need to start, you know, thinking about that because you know. Y'all do have the the between the three three of y'all guys or the, the, the two groups? Absolutely. Well, it's more than that, but yeah, we, we we got that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we didn't even talk about the the shootouts. Um, oh, we uh, had the, those the, too. The parties <laughs> that that fights broke out and everybody's trampling over people. Oh, uh, we had those too. Uh, and then in 1977, me and Livio, we did a party on something in Linden and we got caught up in that damn storm. It was the storm of the century. I think when we left, remember Liv? Yeah. 78, when we went down there, it was no snow on the ground. When we came out, it was at least three, uh, at least a foot. And then when we got home the next morning, the whole city was covered with snow. Yep. Oh, we lost money that night. I don't know how many times we lost money from snowstorms. Forget about it. In the, in the 70s, there was a lot of storms. The snowstorm, the blackout in 77. Oh, I remember that like it was yesterday, the blackout. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was 17 then. Yeah, the, the, the blackout. Is, I mean, it, you know, looking back at, at, at what we used to do and, and how we used to do it, is, it was I, we, I had a great time. I, it was nice. It was a good child. I mean, we had our rough times too, you know, um, but not like today, not like the way these kids are rolling now, but um, we had our parks and we had our, you know, you, you, you took the, the, the electricity from the, from the, the street lights. Um, oh, yeah, we stole uh, that too. <laughs> right? Oh, yo, tell them about the JBLs guys. We all on the take stealing the JBL tweeters. I have no oh, idea what you're yeah, talking it's about. Save it, save it, <laughs> save it. This is way too much. Way too much. Save it. Everybody don't want to admit. I don't remember that. 
No, no, <laughs> it's okay. Don't it's okay. incriminate yourself. No, it's a it's okay. Just save it. There's, 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 a, there's more. There's more. This is one podcast. <laughs> no, let me tell you something. When you were a kid in New York City in the 70s, everything was broken down. When we found out we can get horns from the subway system. You're telling the story, Tony. Uh, Save it. <laughs> we did what Save we had it, to do. Please. We were very, oh God, no, we man. were very creative when we were kids back in the day. Stop playing. Yeah, you're right, Tony. We used to we used to figure things out. When we didn't have You can't afford it? You you no, created you gotta it. understand, we was kids, we didn't have money to buy a sound nah, system. How yeah. the hell we got them? Yeah. Unless your yeah. parents bought it for you. Right. I mean, you, you you definitely got creative. You know, everybody got creative. We, we used to a get lot of stuff. My aunt had band equipment. You don't get creative by stealing. Stealing is not the answer for creativity. Yeah, right. You hear you saying that is a lot of bullshit. I think it's an investment. <laughs> Yo, Devon, you shouldn't be saying that now. Now you're old and you're wise. You understand. But when we was young and, and young, dumb, we did what we had to do to play music yeah. it, it was an investment you have and to then, say it was an investment you know you you look you look back at it as, as long as you didn't hurt anybody <laughs> we wasn't going around sticking up people all we did we went to the subway system the horn was laying on the ground we said oh let's get that no it was never laying on the ground <laughs> <laughs> it was never laying on the ground <laughs> Oh, oh, what's this? This was sitting over there. Okay, let me use it. <laughs> Listen, we did a on lot the of things. We did. A lot of things that you look back and you and you you know you're like, oh no, I, I you know I shouldn't have done that, you know. But at least we feel guilty about it today. <laughs> yeah, a lot of things we did. I, I, I sometimes I think about it, especially when I drive around the neighborhood. I said, I remember when we did this. Oh my God, what I was thinking about. Oh my God, and, and I ain't gonna lie to you. Thank God I made it to sixty three because I ain't gonna lie to you. God bless him. I right? thought I was, when I was a kid, I didn't think I was gonna make it to this far. So, because yep, a did. lot of people <laughs> fell off, a lot of people was into drugs. You yeah. got the era of crack. No, before crack, crack you yeah. had heroin, and that, yeah. when we came up in our community, you had heroin addicts all up on Sutton Boulevard. You and had then you that, turn and, around, and, the, and the bags of glue, this glue sniffing with the brown paper the glue bags. Sniff, back yep. in the and then yep. here come angel dust and yeah. russell and all those guys was dusted i tried wow. angel dust one time and i prayed to get off and i never touched oh anything. gosh because someone yeah. told me it was new weed oh. <laughs> a lot no, of brothers and sisters fell that. off the th fell off because they was lied to a lot of times they would do things to men and women just to see how they act when they give them that stuff so well, yeah you know we all went through that I mean, yeah. from from the the angel dust, then the cocaine, then crack cocaine, era, and then crack. Yeah, so I mean, I've, I never, I never in, indulged in any of that. Oh, I just smoked some weed and called it a day. I ain't gonna lie, I, I did a little bit of everything except uh, heroin. I, I didn't do crack. it. But the yeah. thing is. I survived it and I learned my yes. lesson. And that's yes. what's and cool. we're here to talk about it. Exactly. And we're here to tell the kids, don't do it. <laughs> Precisely. 
Don't do it. Stay, I remember you know, I used to clean. see those commercials. This is your brain on drugs. And we say, okay, and we smoke and weed. <laughs> and they used to have a fried egg, right? This yep. is your brain. And they're telling you, Diane, Diane, Diane. What? Diane, tonight. <laughs> not me. I tell never. You. Never. Diane. Not me. Not I. <laughs> not influence that guy to. Who Tony? <laughs> to tell you the truth about Listen, our I'm gonna have history. to have a part. I'm gonna have to have a part two Not because y'all guys are good. Oh my god! They, they, they. My, my, my. Look at that. My two hours is up. Oh my gosh! Y'all were fantastic. Y'all definitely got to come back, especially when you know um, things are, are doing. You know, you're working on your movies. You want us to watch because I'm always on Tubi. Love that Tubi um, channel. Love the shows that come on there. So you got to come back and let us know what shows are to watch. Watch for. Because you said you have a, you dropping a couple of movies this year, no, Tony? Yeah, yeah. Livio, no, G. Yes, li listen. Um, I'm I'm uh, definitely creatively involved. Um, listen to them. Uh, my first love was was radio, and um, uh, there was a time when I, I, all I, I could think was about being on the radio, and God blessed me with the process of of getting on there. So I went full circle. I started that, and I I have a uh, marketing company uh in addition to that so you know that's what i'm doing you know and fantastic anytime y'all want to come back y'all want to you know um let us know something that you're doing new you want to spread something the word you want us to watch something listen to something dj divine livio g tony come back let us know um what you want us to do and uh, we'll be there to support y'all guys fantastic. well listen to precious fm What's, yes, what is sir. it? Precious FM. Precious? Yeah, Precious. Precious. Okay. Precious FM. Okay. PreciousFM.com. Okay. All right. Got it. You know, anything else y'all want Y'all want the audience to know? I think they learned a know. lot tonight. <laughs> yes. I, yes. Y'all gave us a lot. <laughs> I got to save the rest for a movie. Listen, G. Teal says she grew up on 135th and Liberty, so she has a lot of memories from y'all guys. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Uh, thank you. Okay, hey, so freshestfm.com. F-R-E-S-H-E-S-T-F-M.com. I'm saying it out loud because I record this so they can, you know, hear it. Livio, that's... Till Johnny Till, remember Johnny Till from 142nd? Uh huh. Okay, that's who that no, is. Oh, he doesn't. He doesn't remember. <laughs> he's trying to remember. Remember Noomi and all of them. Sean Do. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's uh, okay, that's that right. rung a bell. <laughs> there you go. That's Sean Do. Of course. But, you know, Livio, uh -huh. you know Gail. Uh, no, I know. I, I know Gail, of course. Oh, okay. Yeah, listen, oh, okay. Uh, Till, I had a crush on his sister. Uh -huh. <laughs> Is that, that Honestly. has to be Till. That has to be G Till. 
Yeah. <laughs> Which one, Livio? Which one? Which sister? No, she right? was my teacher in in uh, fifth grade. Oh, the oldest too. Oh, yes. then it couldn't have been G Till, Lizzie. Exactly. I, she was my teacher in, in, in China in the fifth grade. Wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. That's yeah, cool. Shima went to the fifth. Oh, Shima went. I thought Shima was from sixth six and up. It was fifth grade up? Sixth yeah, grade. fifth grade up. I thought it was sixth grade to uh, fifth, uh, fifth, sixth, eighth grade. Seven, eighth, and then eighth no, grade. I'm sorry. Eighth I'm grade. sorry. Seven, uh, sixth, seven. seventh, and eighth. Yeah, Six that's how it went because I was I was at uh, forty eight until the fifth grade. Then I went to Shima at sixth grade, and I got out and went to ISA. Six, seven, and eight. Yep. <laughs> she said that was a bad school. Yeah, it was <laughs> very bad. <laughs> they had gangs in the hallways and all that. Oh yeah, that's that was in in all the boroughs. That's, yeah, why I went to, that's why I went to school in Manhattan. I went to Norman Thomas. I got out of the I got out of the neighborhood and, and went to 33rd and Park Avenue <laughs> just to get away from all that stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so, I love you, but give me Park Avenue. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly. Uh, she says she went to 210. I don't know. Yeah, junior high school 210. That was up on the hill. Oh, okay. Oh, all right. But but so yes, yeah, so thank you guys. I don't want to I don't want them to cut me off before I say thank you, thank you, thank you. I appreciate you. Oh, guys I got one more thing on. to add. I have one yes. more thing to add. We're doing November 4th. We're doing 50th anniversary for hip hop on uh in in Rochdale, the Grand Ballroom. We're doing a Queens thing. It's all about Queens. Yes, yes. Yep, I'll be there for that too. DJ, yep. DJ informed us we are definitely on it um g teal is on it i'm on it and um i will keep announcing it as it gets closer um to the date olivia you know they have uh they're doing a thing with house party in rochdale too on 11th i think it is with full force i gotta be there for that 11 what this 11 month for what? uh november november, november? Oh, november. I, I think i think it's hold it no i think it's let me find out let me look at it it's either october or november i gotta find That's out Veterans it's, Day, it's, November. That's uh, definitely, uh, so it's got to be October. That's full force. They're doing something. You know how they have the uh, Rochdale Day? Yeah. So that's what they're oh, doing. Okay. okay. Yeah, so I got to be there for that. And uh, they want to talk about, and they're going to be playing a lot of music from House Party. Oh, okay. So nice, anytime nice. you guys want to come back, please just let DJ Divine know. And yeah, all welcome. 